the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I mean, this church is not about adults meeting here. It's about children meeting and growing and learning the Word of God. Sabbath school, the things that make our children come to Christ when they're able to be influenced in the formative years. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentanko is the conclusion to a message we started last time we were together entitled, A Pep Talk with Jesus, and we hope that you enjoy it. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentanko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Jesus has saved you in the past to make you his friend every day. And he has made us friends for each other in the church. You know, people who treat people right are people who are forgiven. I mean, if you're begrudging God to forgive you, you're often hard on somebody else. Let the sweet honey of God's forgiveness flow all over you. I mean, God knows everything you've ever done. He knows the mess of your life. He knows where you've messed up so bad that if other people knew it, they wouldn't have anything to do with you. Everyone here probably is in that boat. The sweet honey of God's forgiveness flows over us. And you know, it makes us stick together as friends because we're all in the same boat in the Christian church. We all are there. We all come to the cross. We all have a common need. Amazing promise number three, pray and don't allow yourself to become discouraged, Jesus would say. Look at Luke 18.1. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. And when you lose heart, you get discouraged. Now, my mother, who, as I've shared with you, and some people say, Pastor Mike, why would you share this? Because it's my life. I share a transparent reality of what I went through as a young person. My mother was schizophrenic. My mother was one of the best persons I ever knew in my life. My mother prayed through her fears. And I can remember going to school in the morning. She would stand at the door and pray for me all the way down the street and whatever. And I wasn't a believer in anything. And those prayers softened my heart to take me out of the evil of my early adolescence. To bridge to Christ through the power of the Spirit. And my mother was the most forgiving, loving person I ever knew. So it doesn't matter what you're struggling with. God forgives. God loves And my mother's a spiritual giant in my life. And so Jesus said, don't lose heart. My mom did not lose heart, even though she had every reason to lose heart. And so her faith will stand for her in the judgment day as an evidence that you can have a severe illness and you can be a person of faith and courage and overcome. That was not just idle advice that Jesus gave when he said, don't lose heart. Jesus told us how to not lose heart. He told us how to never become discouraged 
And he illustrated it by the story of a widow who had a gripe to acquire justice from an unjust judge who didn't give anybody a good verdict. And that widow nagged at the judge day and night, day and night in the parable until he finally gave the verdict the nagging widow wanted. Vindicate me, vindicate me. Finally he did. Unless this widow drive me crazy. She never gave up nagging and she got the answer to her plea. The unjust judge gave in. Now Jesus isn't here saying that God is an ogre because God here in some ways represents the judge. God is not an ogre. God is not evil. God is not unjust. He's using the most extreme example to show you our loving God would be more inclined than this unjust judge to give the outcome. He's emphasizing the need for persistent prayer in our life. Friend, God is eager in his heart of love to answer your sincere prayers at the right time according to his gracious will in Jesus. You ever have a family member you want to be saved? You've been praying for them for years? You want God to save them? He's working on it. Don't give up those prayers. You ever felt like that person might be you? That I need God to save me? He's working on you. You may have to wait a while on some things, other things not. But if you have to wait a while for the best answer in your life, don't stop praying, Jesus says. Don't stop praying to our loving judge. You will get your answers in the best way for you at just the right time in your life. And Jesus ends the parable saying, look at Luke 18, verse 7. And will not God vindicate his elect to cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will vindicate them speedily. Now, what's the key word in verse 8? Are you looking at it with me? He will vindicate them what? Speedily. He instantly answers your prayer. You may not realize it for two years. Your answer has come. I tell you, he will vindicate them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He says the people who be ready for the coming of the Lord are those who are praying in their life, consistently not giving up. The book of Revelation says here is the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Here it is illustrated. Don't give up praying. Now, what would help us in this regard? I think Jesus is saying, don't talk discouragement in your life. Don't allow discouragement to prevent your prayer life's consistency from moving on. Don't feed discouragement into other people's lives. You know, we worship a positive God who does not become discouraged. He has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. We worship a kind God who answers our prayers for our good all the time. What did the children of Israel do when they came out of Egypt on the way to the promised land? When it got hard from time to time, they started to what? Grumble. That's right. Keep the grumble stuff out of your life. Now, how many of you have grumbled a little bit in your life? Have you grumbled a little bit in the COVID crises? Okay, we need a good intensive therapy session in honesty. You all have a little bit, probably, okay? So keep on praying, keep on waiting. Get the grumble quotient out of your life. Wait on God to answer those prayers, to meet your needs. A prayer in this way is proof that you have saving faith in God. Do you know that? If you want to know you have faith, just look at your prayer life. You'll know. Amazing promise number four. What does it say? Don't be afraid, but believe. Mark 5, 36 But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Now Jesus made it clear that when we pray persistently to get the answer we need, we have faith in God. That was in the parable of the importunate widow. Here Jesus is interaction with the ruler of the synagogue 
and the little girl that has died, Jesus is dying. Jesus is saying that when you have faith, there's no need to fear. Faith and fear exist on opposite sides of the spectrum. Faith is like light and fear is the darkness. So get the darkness and the fear out of the equation. We're all afraid of all kinds of things naturally in life. Let me go through a few of these. Afraid of the bills not getting paid. Is that a valid fear? Oh, you guys are great economic students here. I mean, I look at some of that as balancing that. Can I pull it off this month? None of you have that struggle. Wow. Okay. Some of you do. Afraid of someone hitting the car. You ever get someone smack your car? You go, oh, no. Deductibles, this, that, and so on. My wife tore the bumper off our car a few weeks ago, and I got it fixed this week for $65. That was a good deal. Afraid of that mean person at work who's trying to get you fired, right? Afraid of not having enough food on the table, enough money in the bank. Is that a fear that some of you have, especially the bank problem? Well, right now, the money in your bank, you don't have to worry about the money part. Inflation is the new tax that is gobbling up your wallet for the good of the government spending. And so if you have in the bank, it may not be the best investment. Why not invest in the kingdom of God with some of that? So use your money well for God. Why? You can make a difference. James says at the time of the end, our gold will be worthless. So we have to pray for the right time to use our resources to make a difference in God's kingdom. But you know, the real fear that gets us all deep inside is the fear of death. Sickness and then death. The ruler's daughter was at the point of death and then she died. And Jesus showed up and then she lived. Now think about that. She died, Jesus showed up, and she lived. So what made the difference? Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus, you may die. But one day, Jesus is going to show up and you're going to live again. If you love Jesus. That basic. So Jesus is the big deal of life that is the guarantee of a quality life that never ends and eternal life yet to come. So forget the junk of life down here. You know, we can go through those movies that people like to watch. You realize that Hollywood's movies, most of them will keep you out of the kingdom of God? Get them out of your life. You don't need anything that will sully your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I could go to the television, the internet. You know what's that. Here's the rule. If you can't have Christ sitting in the chair next to you watching it, cut it off. Is that a good enough rule? That's just it. We don't need, you know, some pontification here. That's how you know. Amazing promise number five. Quickly turn with me. Forgive everyone in your life. And what's the last part of that phrase? Including you. Now look at Luke 6, 27. But I say to you that here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. That's hard stuff. It's hard to hear hard advice when you need to. Jesus says, can you hear? He says four things that add up to forgiveness, really. Number one, he says, love your enemies. That's hard. Is that hard? It's hard. When you love your enemy, you love Jesus because Jesus died for your enemy just as much as he died for you. So you should not be in the enemy business as a Christian. Number two, Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. That's hard, too. It's one thing to say you love someone. It's better not to say it to any enemy, though, because enemies take advantage of that kind of thing. They say, I don't believe you and all that. So it's better to prove it by being kind and loving to them and not just making claims that are virtue signaling. God can win them through your kindness. Love them in your actions. Number three, Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Have you ever had someone walk up to you and curse you out to your face? 
I don't want to repeat words that have been said to me, but some of them are bad. That's hard three. Bless your enemy. Wow, how do you do that? It's great therapy, really. Believe me. Why? Because Jesus is the mighty counselor. If you want to have therapy for dealing with your enemies, bless them. Ask God to bring happiness and peace into the life of that ogre that stole your car, that messed up your life. Ask God to bring forgiveness into their life. Bless them. Pour the blessings of prayer upon them. Open a door where the angels of God can come and beat back the demons in their life. Something marvelous happens in you when you bless your enemy. You are changed into the likeness of Christ. Number four, Jesus says, pray for those who what? Abuse you. That's hard for. We all hurt people in life, which means we've all abused someone in our life, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Either by gossip or saying something or doing something. And have people hurt us too? Yes, they have. You may never be able to fix it in the mind of the person you have hurt or the person who has hurt you. It could be the same person. It could be complicated, believe me. But when you pray for that person, God takes note of that prayer and he knows you love them. And your love and God's greater love for that person together can change the life of that individual and yours. Sometimes a person is their own worst enemy. Now here's what I mean by this. Sometimes you are the enemy of yourself in your own mind. Right? Okay. And so Jesus would have you pray for you and forgive yourself. Because Jesus in God, God in Christ, has already forgiven you at the cross. Forgive yourself. Amazing promise number six. Be light and get busy sharing God in the sphere of your personal influence. Matthew 5.16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your fathers in heaven. And we all have a sphere in life where we can make a difference for others. Jesus calls us to share our life with others. You meet people all the time that need God. They're all around you. If you're silent, you don't share your faith, you don't try to bring the scriptural encouragement to someone else's life, then you are robbing them of the only grace that they may get from God. You are the avenue of grace for them. Friends, God wants you to do good things for him, to be active in his service, to have a light that matters, to serve in the church and for our community, for the salvation of men and women. God feels real good about that, and you will too. Last point, amazing Promise number seven. What does it say? Embrace Jesus' joy in the journey. John 17, 13. Now this is just before the Garden of Gethsemane. Christ is about to die for our sins. His high priestly prayer. He will go through hell for us in the hours that are coming upon him. And look what he says. But now I am coming to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Amazing. Christ was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and yet Jesus' joy was more profound, more abundant, more apparent than any of his sorrows and challenges. I have lived personally with legal conflict for the past 20 years. It's a fact. In the building of this church, in its final resting place, and in some other things. It's just like the devil threw it at me all the time. And there were times when I felt, wow, why can't I get out of this thing? Conflict can wear you down, right? It can. 
We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. I've been hospitalized four times in this journey. Had major surgery to save my leg. Had full paralysis of my right leg for a little while. And three of those incidents were life-threatening. One of them, I was 24 hours away from death. And it's funny, I developed septic. I went septic. It was before worship. I was preaching one Sabbath, reaching hearts in the old facility. That evening, I was in septic shock. And I was 24 hours away from leaving the planet. And they stabilized me. They had to figure out what kind of bacteria was going through my blood system. And I was back in church the next week. I lost 35 pounds because of the fever. I was back in church because I didn't want the church to think anything was wrong. And then I went away for three weeks to recover. It had wrecked my entire system in terms of it scarred me up on the inside. And I got through the woods. But I'm saying is when you're trying to fight a legal battle for the church and then you get hit with your health, it's easy to give up. I'm saying this to let you know that we all have trouble in life. But guess what? God gives us the victory over that trouble. He will get us through on his plan to his glory. The Lord has helped me to see that there's joy in the journey and that the real treasure in life is the cross of Christ and the Christ of that cross who is our right to joy. When we have Jesus, we have joy. As I finished my sermon last night, I lifted my eyes to that Christmas tree and I saw between my two feet the word joy and it is a bright red bird at the top of the tree. A bird sings with joy. Life was made for joy. It was made for singing. I picked up the guitar during COVID. I want to write songs. I want to have fun in the church. I'd rather write a song and have a young person do it. But I like singing and seeing the talent in our church with joy. I want to write a new song this year because the future is alive in Jesus with joy. I'm better on the guitar than I was last year. Now let's quickly review the seven amazing promises in Jesus' pep talk to us. Who has been telling us this this morning, me or Jesus? Those are his words I have cited. So it's Jesus' pep talk. All right, amazing promise number one. I want you to repeat it after me. What does it say? Stop worrying about you. Amazing promise number two, start living for God. Amazing promise number three, pray and don't allow yourself to become discouraged. Amazing promise number four, don't be afraid, but believe. Amazing promise number five, forgive everyone in your life, including you. Amazing promise number six, be light and get busy sharing God in the sphere of your personal influence. And amazing promise number seven, embrace Jesus' joy in the journey. Now, we live in this world as children of God and soldiers for Christ. My son's in the military. We are a military family. Anybody here in the, been in the military? There's a discipline in the military, isn't there? A vital discipline, a call to duty. Christ is our commander, and we are his soldiers. That's one of the metaphors for a believer. We're slaves of Christ, Paul says. We're soldiers for Christ, Paul says. 
To be a soldier requires discipline, commitment, and an unswerving sense of personal duty and honor. For this we must strive and seize the price by faith as soldiers of the cross. We are not called to weakness, we are called to strength. I'd like to read to you an excerpt that my son Donald shared with me from Ronald Reagan's 1981 inaugural address. He had me listen to it. Regardless of one's politics, it sounds a little bit like Abraham Lincoln to me. At the time of 1981, in fact, I was enamored with Jimmy Carter, a Baptist man, a Democrat, a good Baptist like the preacher that attended my church. So in the matter of politics, I have no cause to advance. But in the matter of courage and honor, the story he shared in the 1981 inaugural address really speaks to me. Near the end of Reagan's address, President Reagan introduced the story of a man, a young man, who lost his life for the cause of freedom during World War I, who gave an unbelievable sacrifice for the good of his country and others. And here is where he started speaking of it in his address. He said, I'm quoting the president's inaugural address, directly in front of me, the monument to a monumental man, George Washington, father of our country. A man of humility who came to greatness reluctantly. He led America out of revolutionary victory into infant nationhood. Off to one side, the stately memorial of Thomas Jefferson. The Declaration of Independence flames with his eloquence. And then beyond the reflecting pool, the dignified columns of the Lincoln Memorial. Whoever would understand his heart, the meaning of America, will find it in the life of Abraham Lincoln. Beyond those monuments to heroism is the Potomac River, and on the far shore the sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bella Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, and Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small-town barbershop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary, and on the flyleaf under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words America must win this war, therefore I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. Now that touched me because it epitomizes what we must be as soldiers of the cross. We must work in the church. We must do our duty. We must be found at our posts. We must work for the lost with cheerfulness. Our means must be applied to the cause as if the whole cause of God rested on us alone. Dear heart, Jesus carried his cross up Calvary's hill. We are to take up our cross and follow him. Jesus had that kind of noble attitude all his kind life, his hard life. He had joy in the journey nonetheless. All the way to the cross. Why? Because he was looking back in time. 
He knew that every precious person who'd be in the kingdom of God, just one of them was worth it all. And to save the world, to save the universe, to save you, me, our families, Jesus Christ took the whole load on his own back. And so we need to share that attitude. Our call to duty is a call to honor in the church. It's the kind of attitude that must be in every single soldier of Christ. And so I would admonish you, oh brother, be faithful. Be faithful. Soon Jesus will come. So fight the good fight of faith as a true soldier of Christ. Seize the prize. Act in honor. Live for the lost. And let your light shine without complaint for the glory of God. Dear Father God, help us to be faithful. Give us courage, honor, commitment. Take away the darkness of fear. Lord, may we seize the cross for what it really means, that we are forgiven, not just our enemy. And Lord, grant us joy in the journey. And thank you for Jesus, the joyous sacrifice, who celebrated his journey in the darkness to save us so we can have life, the abundant life in our lives. God bless Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And that will conclude a pep talk with Jesus. Today is Reaching Your Heart. Remember, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Make sure you join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.